What's going on, all my podcasters? See Jizzle and the fucking Wizzle bringing you another episode. And to be honest, uh, I was at work earlier today talking to some of the some of the new coworkers of mine, and I was talking to them about my van and well, a little bit about the van, but I was talking to him about the bicycle. And he was like, "You should get one of those electric uh, bicycles." And at first I thought he was talking about, like, the two-stroke engines, you know, the gas ones. But I was like, yeah, I've been thinking about kind of getting one, but it's, like, anywhere from two to $4,000 for a decent one. And he's like, yeah, but still, you know, once you buy it, you'll be able to get around point A to point B, and you'll be able to charge it up while you're at work every day. He's like, you can charge it up while you're here. You know, you park it in there, charge it up. And I was like, that makes a good, that makes a good point, because, you know, you might not necessarily be able to use it in the wintertime, but springtime, fall, summer, you can use it three quarters of the year, and let's say it is like three grand or four grand, you know, once you buy it, like you said, even if it lasts four years and you pay a thousand dollars a year for it, it'll be worth it, because you don't have to pedal everywhere, so... I'm really considering it because even if I'm in in town and let's say I'm living van life and whatever, I can literally take that out of my van from underneath my bed and go and hit the streets with it without using any gas whatsoever. Yeah, you're going to have to find somewhere to charge it up. You might be able to charge it off solar panels, I don't know, but I can take it to work and charge it up at work. Um... But it's a good alternative. Like, let's say you run out of gas for the day, you have to fucking get to work, you can break that out, and you have a way to get to work still. And you don't have to pedal. So, what I would still keep my old bicycles, you know, take them apart and keep them stored underneath my bed as well. But it's going to be like a giant garage underneath my bed. Originally, I thought... I was going to build a twin bed, something longer up against the wall so I could have more floor space. But then as I got thinking about it, I've got so many things that I want to store underneath the bed. Not only do I want to put my bikes and my parts and tools and stuff, but I've also got uh, a little tabletop smoker that I want to be able to put on a slide and be able to pull it out. Last night I was looking online, and they have this, this, um, what they call an ironclad barrel. And it's basically, it sits up like two foot, three foot off the ground. Um, a little bit bigger than a Folgers coffee can, maybe twice as big, maybe three times as big. But it's pretty portable, and it's made out of iron, but the top of it's made out of cast iron. So you can stick wood in it, like sticks, and or you can use solid wood, or you can use charcoal, or pellets, you can put anything in it. And you just leave it open, and it's like a rocket fuel stove. Which I thought was pretty dope, but it was pretty pricey, it was like 150 bucks. And the thing that kind of caught my attention was you can be out in the middle of nowhere, and you can use sticks. 
and you can literally use it to fry, you can use it to, to put a grill grate over it and cook with a grill. Pretty clever. Pretty clever. And like I said, maybe you ran out of propane, you're hungry as fuck, you want to have a barbecue, you know, the next day whenever you wake up. It's your day off, you know. You got some steaks in the cooler that need to be fucking cooked. You know, why not break out uh, a stove that you can use some old broken up pieces of wood that's already fallen on the ground. Now, there is a brand that I stand by that I've been wanting to get for a long time. And it's called Oklahoma Joe. And they have these little tabletop grills. I call it a smoker, really. I mean, it's a, it's really durable materials that they make it out of. They got cast iron grates in them. But you can get a little tabletop one for like 150 bucks. And it's pretty much the same, the same idea. You can put wood in it. Um, you can put charcoal in it, whatever you want. So I'd, I'd much rather have an Oklahoma Joe, you know, a tabletop grill... I can, like I said, use it out on the ground. I can, I can put sticks and wood in it, you know, from outside if I wanted to. But <clears throat> it's just a lot more easier to be able to pull that out of, on a slide out of the back of the van and be able to use it. The other one's a little bit more awkward, and it's like a barrel. It's pretty heavy from what I hear. And you're really kind of limited to what you can cook on it you know you can't cook a big slab of ribs on it it's just not going to cook right so you know I'm, I'm really kind of excited not only for the job that I've got and everything but I'm really excited to see you know how van life's going to finally come together when it does and I know it's still a little bit of ways out. Still, like, I gotta save and everything. I gotta plan. I'm gonna write up some floor plans here soon on actually how I want it. Um, that's another thing. I think you really need to sit down and write out a floor plan to better understand on what you actually want. Because... After months and years of sitting here thinking about this and that, you kind of lose track of shit. You really do. And then whenever it comes down to it and you're really ready to start building it, you have no idea where to really start. You've got all these ideas that sound good and then you just kind of forget about them. So, it's best on one side if you do a diagram and then on the back side... You can write down, you know, an actual text so you can read it. Like, oh, lazy Susan in the corner. Or a table that doubles as a sliding door on your cabinets. You know, you got to be able to... So you can look back at it and say, oh yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Um, <coughs> honestly... Like I said, not only am I happy about the job and about van life, but I can start eating better. I can start working out. Because the main reason why I didn't want to start working out is because I wasn't getting enough nutrition. 
there's there's no point in starting to work out if you're not putting nutrients in. I've always said that from the get-go. you got to put good in to get good out. And it's going to take me some time to, to get started. You know, I'm going to do it low and slow. I'm not going to push myself crazy. So it's going to take some time to get even started doing that. You need to be able to get some money coming in, save it up, and then I'll be able to get an account at a credit union and be able to sign up for an actual gym membership somewhere. Actually, I'm probably going to get one at Planet Fitness because it's literally right across the street from where I work. You know, uh, I used to say in the past that you know, I didn't want to ride all the way across town just to go and work out, but it's really, it's literally a 15 minute ride, well, probably more than that, probably 20, but it's no further to ride to work than it is to go to the gym, it takes two more minutes, so I'll be able to have, you know, access to all the gym equipment be able to go in there take a shower they don't have a pool there but I'm pretty sure they got a sauna room and whatnot and I'll be able to take a friend with me so that'll be pretty awesome because I'm, sh I'm pretty sure that Eric would like to go and work out I'm still friends with Eric so here and there, you know, I'll find somebody that wants to go and work out, um, I'm looking to do other things this season too, I want to go to the fair, <coughs> that being said, you know, my mother hasn't been to the fair in years, probably decades, I don't even remember the last time my mother's been to the fair, probably 20 or 30 years, who knows, but I'd like to be able to get a golf cart, rent it out, and be able to just drive around and shove our faces. You know, we're not going to stay there and do anything extra, really. But for her to be able to get out there, experience it, I think that's what I'm going to do. If I can get the time off, she can get the time off. Within that week or two, I think that's what we're going to do. So, I know it's going to be really busy, but... Same thing with the 4th of July, you know, I might not get the 4th of July off, but I'll probably get the day before that, and I'm going to make the best of it. My mother's birthday is coming up in September. My birthday is coming up in 12 days. And... Then we got Halloween and Thanksgiving and, and it's Christmas again. And New Year's and, and all that good shit. And I'm gonna have a good holiday season this year. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna treat myself, I'm gonna buy some movies to watch, I'm gonna buy a my first Christmas tree that I've had I haven't had one in years. Because for one I haven't had really anywhere to store it, and for two, I don't really like taking a tree up and putting it putting it up and taking it down. So I think I'm just going to get a little tabletop tree, 
They sell a lot of ceramic ones, but I'd really like to have one of those, but I might just get a little fiber optic tree. I don't know. And I'm going to start collecting ornaments. You know, it's the little things to me that count. And that's kind of been a family tradition, is collecting ornaments. And since this is going to be the first year, and I'm going to have a Christmas tree, I figured why not start collecting ornaments now. So, like, if I go to a national forest or something, and they have Christmas ornaments, I can pick up one for Yellowstone, and I can pick up one from every national park along the way, if they got them. I think that'd be pretty neat. I don't want to be too tall, because like I said, when I get into the van, I don't want to be too limited on space. So I'm going to try and keep it like four foot or less. Um, actually, I'd like to keep it like two foot. Because <laughs> four feet, even in a van, even in a regular cargo van, is like to the roof. So anywho, um, ultimately... Like I said, I'd like to get a Christmas tree. I'd like to be able to celebrate this year. Same thing with Halloween. I didn't really get to celebrate with Halloween. But I'd like to be able to put lights in my windows. You know, whether they're orange and black or they're green and red. Um, and, you know, uh, this Christmas I'm probably going to end up spoiling myself. So, since I've got a new job and... I've been wanting to get an electric uh, scooter or bicycle for a while now. Kind of like a little moped. That's what I've really been wanting. And I've got so many different variations. Um, but there's one particular kind that I've been wanting. And like I said, none of these I'm going to be able to ride in the snow or in the winter. I mean, nine times out of ten. Um, it's just not going to happen. I could get this Paradox Kinetics motor, which is, it's called the Hermes, and it's made from a company called Paradox, but it's 2,800 euros. <clears throat> it's like, <clears throat> sorry. It's like $3,000 just for the engine kit. And you have to have a bicycle to put it on. So let's let's say you do spend the three thousand dollars, and I put it on my twenty-nine inch. You're still going to have wear and tear on other parts on your bike, like your bearings, your tires. So you're not going to just spend the money and be done with it. You're still going to have to have upkeep. You're going to have to have it put in the shop all the time. Now, if you were to go the other route and actually buy what I was planning on buying it's by a company that's called Alien Rides and they've got this thing called an Extreme Bull and uh, it's $4,700 but it also has 3500 watts has two different motors and it goes 50 miles per hour and it folds up like a little briefcase almost and it's, it's damn near five grand I mean but you gotta think if you're gonna be in a place where you're gonna be cruising down the beach 
or you're going to need it to get to work, you know, this is the perfect, perfect uh, solution to you. Honestly, you can, I don't know how long it gets out of a battery, but um, I know it's a massive battery, so you can probably get three days maybe or more off of one charge. Um, a lot of people would say $4,700 is a lot of money. That's, that's, you can pay for that to have your van already. But when you're making thirteen, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000, and you're used to living off of nothing, you know, I could have the van and have this and still have some money left over. So, I think that ultimately, like I said, I'm not going to be ready to start van life until not this fall, but next fall. So I would like to have something to ride around next summer. I'd like to have something to ride around next spring. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm going to be working towards is a good, solid, dependable e-bike. Um, I'm going to look and see if I can get one of the Super 73s. Those are less than five grand usually um, but I gotta look and see you know with the biggest motor and the biggest battery and whatnot if it's gonna be um, cheaper or just the same price to get the bowl because if I can get the bowl like I said the size with the speed how low it sits to the ground and everything it's just the perfect little commuter I can make it from here to work, like I said, it does 50 miles per hour. I can do 20, maybe less, usually when I ride my bike. So I can get to work in like fucking 10 minutes flat. Mm. Probably, probably less. I can probably get to work in 8 minutes if I really tried. But that's another thing I want to try is actually getting one of these systems one of these e-bikes and actually timing myself on how long it takes to get to work. So that way, on a rainy day, if I'm tired and let's say I'm running late, I know exactly how how quick I can get to work. I really only wanted to spend about $3,500 on an e-bike. But if I gotta pay another 1000 or 1500 and it rides twice as long and it goes twice as fast, and it's going to last me for a long time, then I might as well buy it. The only downside to it is I don't want to buy it and then five years down the road it shits out on me and I can't find parts. So, you know, if it's $5,000, I want to at least get five years out of it. And I feel like there's going to be some wear and tear in between. The good thing about the Super 73s is they're relatively cheap for the power you get out of them, and the parts are pretty easy to get repaired or get replaced, I'm pretty sure. It just seems like they got better customer support, so. Now if you get the, the biggest, baddest one, like I said, I still think it's going to come out cheaper than $5,000. I don't know have to look at that tonight but the little bowl that I was telling you about made by alien 
what is it, alienrides.com, Extreme Bull K6. It's a monster. It's a fucking monster. Like, I've seen somebody test driving it in a little suburb. In a little neighborhood, you know, and this thing, it, it it looks like a little toy at first when you walk up to it. It looks like a like a fucking Power Wheels or something, but it's a motorcycle. Well, it's not a motorcycle; it's a scooter. And the wheels on it are small, short, and stubby, but they're wide. And like I said, it sits pretty low to the ground. It looks like a hoverboard on wheels, but you sit on it. I guess if that makes any sense. And since it's so compact and so small and it sits so low, like I said, you can go around a corner and I wouldn't even want to know what it's like going around a corner at 50 miles an hour on this thing. I would say even at 30 miles an hour, just leaning into these corners with how low it is would be a thrill ride. Just ripping and running the neighborhood. So, not only is it something that's going to get me to and from work, if I don't have gas, tired of pedaling, you know, like, days like today, well, I mean, today wasn't too bad, but days where it's hot as fuck, it's 100 degrees outside, you just want to be able to get to work and have the wind blowing through your hair without, without having to pedal, you know what I'm saying? So, it's going to have its pros and it's going to have its cons. Like I said, the con, the biggest con is how much it costs. But if you take care of it, you deplete the battery and you charge it the way that you should. Um, and you don't ride it in the fucking pouring rain or the fucking snow, then you should be good. I would hope that even if you could, you know, that they have a plug that goes over it to where you could ride it in the rain at least but even then I'd probably just take my regular bike to work instead but on a sunny day like I said you ain't got nothing better to do it's not raining why not take it to work an investment is an investment and over the years I've learned that Whenever I bought my first Cannondale, um, I always kind of wanted a Cannondale. My cousin had an old vintage one back in the day, and we used to ride around the neighborhood, and I can, I'll never forget, you know, how light it was. Kind of as light as my 89 Cannondale, and it was really light. And I'll never forget that, right? Really light, really fast, really good quality American made. At some point they changed to making them in China. Still a good bike, still pretty good quality, but there's a difference between an old 89 American made Cannondale and a 2017 Cannondale. There's just a difference. Um, I think mine's about seven or eight years old, my 29 inch. I spent a thousand dollars on it. And 
you might be able to get away with, um, I would say you'd have to put it in the shop at least once a year, but you might be able to get away with skipping a year or skipping a season. Like, let's say you write it really hard in the summer, you write it really hard in the fall, and you write it really hard in the winter. You can maybe put it up for a few months, but you're still going to have all the salt and the moisture and shit on everything. You're going to have to take it in the shop by that summer. You're going to have to have it all lubed up. Otherwise, all the salt and the moisture is just going to eat away at everything. It's going to rust everything out. And that's kind of the problem I've been dealing with is I get it put in the shop and then I ride it. It gets wet, you know, from the rain and the dirt, the salt, you know, whatever. And then I let it sit. I don't take it to the car wash and wash it off. Maybe I, I might need to start doing that. I need to find a hand car wash, but... Um, Actually, I do need to do that, especially during the winter time. Anywho, um, it gets wear and tear, right? And it's kind of like uh, driving a car, but you know, if I got to take my my bike in to get a tune up, it's only a hundred and twenty bucks, maybe, you know. And I know a guy, so that's pretty cheap. So, you know, even though I know a guy, it, it's still not cheap. Um, you know, if you don't know a guy, it's going to cost a lot of money, not only in parts, but labor. And that's the way they do it with the bike shop. They do it the same way that a car shop does. So, like, let's say it's $100 in labor for the tune-up and everything... And a tune-up with a bicycle usually only consists of um, making sure the chain's lubed up, um, making sure that the wheels are true, which means that they're straight. And if they're not, then you're going to have to pay more money. So, I mean, it's not like they're really doing you a service. Um, what else? When they give you a tune-up, um, it's kind of like basically going over the bike and making sure everything's running smooth. So making sure the brake pads are good. But it doesn't involve things like checking the wheel bearings, checking the crankshaft, or the bottom bracket bearings. It doesn't involve checking the cassette to make sure that that's in good shape. Anything extra... It's going to cost extra. Same thing with brakes, you know, I mean, um, it's really cheap to get the linear brake pads, like the old school pull brakes, but a lot of these brakes nowadays are disc brakes, and I've got cable disc brakes, but there are hydraulic disc brakes, and those run into a lot of problems. You can have hydraulic fluid leaks. There's just a lot more maintenance. You gotta flush the fluid out of them, get them changed every once in a while, just like a car. But when you have the hydraulic disc brakes with the pull lever on it, like I have, they're a lot more dependable. 
it lasts a lot longer. And also, another thing that I learned the hard way is if you're writing in freezing temperatures, if you're writing in temperature that's below 32 degrees, I would say anything below 20 degrees is deadly. But if you're writing with hydraulic disc brakes, they won't work. They will not work. And I only know this because I was riding a bicycle that, while my mechanic was working on mine, his back brakes were pull, they were pull brakes. He had disc brakes, but they were pull brakes, kind of like what I got. But his front brakes were hydraulic. And for the most part, um, I was using the front brakes at that time. <clears throat> and it was really fucking cold. I mean, it was, I remember it like it was yesterday. My fingers were frozen. Everything was just freezing. This was last year. And the wind chill, I think, got down to like negative 20. And I remember trying to come to a stop whenever I got home. Well, halfway through my trip, I tried to come to a stop, and I realized that my front brakes weren't working at all. You could pull them all the way down to the, to the bone, and they were not working. So I guess all the fluid that was in there had frozen. Because, you know, anybody who knows anything about hydraulics, it's all about fluid. So if that fluid freezes and you don't have any pressure, then you're pretty fucked. It's, it's pretty dangerous, actually. I mean, I would, I would not recommend anybody to get hydraulic brakes, especially if you're riding in the cold. Don't get hydraulic brakes. It's, it's pretty much a death sentence. So, I am going to try to um, ask my couple of my coworkers if they want to go out and have some beers. Probably not this week, or maybe not even next week, but here after a little while, after I get settled in, you know, um, we can go over to a certain bar that I like, and they've got, uh, you can play pool there for a pretty, pretty good price, and it's not packed, so usually nine times out of ten, Especially if you go during the weekdays. You don't have to worry about assholes that want to get in a fight. You know, it's pretty laid back. Usually. It's one of the only few bars that I would actually like to visit. And I don't usually like to stay out too long. If I do go and play. There's not a lot of places here to play pool. And... There's like a couple major places here in town, but they're usually always packed, and there's always a bunch of fucking thugs and assholes and jocks and shit that want to get into a fight. So, there's only a couple places in town where it's reasonable, it's not packed, and uh, so that's an option, I guess. One thing that I never really thought about was um, not only having 
this job to pay for van life, but I've been thinking about getting into paramotoring for just about as long as I've been thinking about van life. So, for those of you that don't know what paramotoring is, I think I've talked about this before, but it's basically an engine that's strapped on your back with a propeller or a fan blade and you have a wing like a paraglider wing where you can fly it through the air now you don't need a special license to fly one of these um, they can get pretty expensive you know we're talking upwards from about fifteen thousand dollars and up you know for the wing, for the engine, for the for the emergency parachute, um, and I would recommend going somewhere and getting classes. You know, that's another two thousand um, dollars. It's only like a two-week class, but you'll be surprised at what you can learn in those two weeks and how much it's going to benefit you and how much more safer you're going to be flying after that. I've seen too many people that have um, gotten into paramotor accidents and died. Even people that went through their training that thought they knew everything, that were doing pretty good, have gotten into accidents. So, me, I thought about going balls to the wall and just buying it and doing it myself without any training. Just kind of learning the ropes, but there's so many what-ifs involved with it that you know if I get into a spiral or whatever I want to be able to know how to get out of it so there's also so many things to think about with paramotoring when you're starting out you have to think um, do you want to start out with the Atom 80 or do you want to go balls to the wall and get a Moster 185 now the Atom 80 is going to be a lot lighter it's going to be a lot more compact you're going to be able to store it a lot easier whenever you're running to take off it's just going to be like butter but if you're heavier if you're a big guy and not only that but you're wanting something that's got a high climb rate that's just not going to be the engine for you now if you get a Moster 185 you're gonna have that that horsepower you're gonna have that climb rate you're gonna it's gonna feel like you're riding a jet ski in the air it's gonna feel great but it's gonna be heavier so you gotta think about running around with a hundred pounds on your back you know you're running through a field maybe this field's got fucking holes in it and you're running around with something that's a hundred pounds on your back it costs thousands of dollars. So you can biff it and eat it and fuck up thousands of dollars worth of shit. But that's just, that's kind of the name of the game. So, my biggest thing is I can literally wake up, take a drive somewhere outside of the city limits of course I want to get away from the airport but out in the farmland somewhere you know you can get up somewhere pretty high above the clouds 
Um, you can watch the sunrise, you can watch the sunset. The only, the scariest thing that I've thought about is once you're up there, you're, you're traveling at like 30, 40 miles an hour, maybe a little bit more, whatever. But you've got planes that are also flying around you that you got to watch out for. So don't always let your guard down because you could be flying around and then some plane comes in at 300 miles an hour and almost fucking sucks you into their turbine. Which at that point, if something was that close and it did suck me into the turbine or tried, I would cut that chute and use my reserve chute. I mean, and hope and pray that my reserve chute opened at 30,000 feet. So that's another thing you gotta you gotta go to school to know how to pack your parachute right because you know you can pack it the wrong way and it's just not gonna open up. So you gotta know certain things before you actually do it. Nine times out of ten, somebody that's inexperienced they try and go up there and do. Uh, trick maneuvers, um, what they call over, what do they call them, over and outs, or, uh, I don't know, it's where you go wing over tip, pretty much, and then they get tangled up, they end up getting all tangled up in the turbulence, their wing gets tangled up in itself, and they end up fucking falling out of the sky, and nine times out of ten, you never see them throw their reserve chute. I would. I'd cut that fucking wing off of there as quick as I could. And I'd throw that reserve chute. Now, some of the coolest thing that I've been thinking about lately is... I watched Tucker Got on YouTube. And he's been paramotoring for a long time. And not only that, but his mother is a balloon pilot, an ex-balloon pilot, and many other things. He's got a lot of aviation experience, especially with paramotors, but um, he had told me in past videos that you can't, um, I'd like to fly tandem eventually. I'd like to be able to fly with other people um, with me, you know, and they do have trikes that are out where they have two-seaters, but by law, ultimately by law, you're not allowed to be able to take anybody up with you on a tandem unless it's for educational purposes or to teach them how to fly, pretty much. Um, it's not for recreational. You're not able to just have some buddies and go on a flight, you know. So pretty much any time that you go up on a tandem flight, it's for educational purposes. So that being said, you also have to get certified to be able to fly tandem with two people. And mainly, you know, that you got to think about it. Mainly that's because you're taking a risk. You know, you're, you're entrusting somebody else's life whenever you're flying, you know. Um, and again, there's no insurance or anything that really comes with that. Um, so that's why it's so strict. Um, 
that being said, I've seen some pretty awesome trikes. I've seen some pretty badass, powerful trikes, and I think it would be really awesome to be able to fly from here to St. Louis, or to be able to fly from here to Florida. Um, you know, not only to go on vacation, but to be able to quote unquote teach people on how to fly. And that's something that's later down the road, like I said. I'd have to have somewhere to store that shit. Like, let's say I moved out to Arizona. I could have a, a barn that I can keep all that shit. But it's not going to be my bread and butter. It's going to be kind of like a hobby that I do in my spare time. Um, and again, it's going to be something that's going to have to be later down the road. After I get hours and hours underneath my belt. And thousands of dollars involved. But if anybody wants to be able to learn how to get into it and uh, fly above the clouds and get over their fear of heights and, and whatnot, it's the perfect way to do it. And once you've already bought your paramotor and your wing and everything, and you don't have any more money to spend on anything else, then why not buy a trike? The only thing you have to do after that is just get the certification. And um, the easiest way to do that, to get your tandem certification, is to do it on the ground without any wheels or any trikes. You can do a two man uh, tandem paraglider uh, certification in a lot of different places. California, Florida. It doesn't have a motor on it, but it's a two-man paraglider. Like I said, it's a parachute with a with a harness that carries two people, and you can get your certification doing that. But you have to be a really good pilot because not only do you have to, um, like, let's say you got somebody that's really shitty at running. You, know, you gotta make sure you can get both of you and them off the ground. And the same thing whenever you come back down to land. You know, you're responsible for them and you. So, anywho. First things first, like I said, I'm gonna get an e-bike. Something that's gonna be exciting, something that's gonna be fast, something that's gonna be new. Something that's gonna last me a while. And I want it to be fast and exciting and something that's going to, the battery's going to last a while. So, if I have to spend the extra money, I will, but I want to look out there and see what other kind of options I have. The only two viable options is either the K6 Bolt from Alien Rides or the Super 73. Which, the Super 73 has bigger tires on it. If there was, you know, some colder weather. Not necessarily snow or anything, but I could still ride it. I mean, I guess that's the case too with the bull, you know, if it wasn't snow on the ground. Uh, but a dramatic difference in the tires. Which, I think, 
changes the aspect of things because the bigger the tires, the bigger the frame, the heavier everything is, the more battery power you're going to use. So if you got a little small K6 bowl that's fucking like a little hoverboard on wheels, you're going to get twice as much because it weighs half as much of the weight. I don't know. $3,500 versus $5,000. Or forty-seven. You know, I just... I think I'm going to be really pissed off at myself if I save up 3500 and it's not what it's supposed to be. Now, I do know that if I'm on a desert trail somewhere, out in the boonies, out in the mountains, I'm not going to be able to take the, the bull, the $5,000 bull, over the rocks and shit because it's just so small. But if I have the Super 73 with bigger tires on it, I can take it down back trails maybe a little bit further than I could with the bull. <clears throat> the good thing with the bull is it's good for an urban area. It's fast. It does like 50. Um, but it's also good for like cruising around on the beaches and shit too. Like if you live by the beach, you live by the boardwalk somewhere, you just want to get from point A to point B. But here's the thing. Would you leave it unattended you know, how would you lock it up? And and that's kind of... <clears throat> sorry. That's kind of something you got to think about when you spend $5,000 on something and you're in a world where people like to steal shit. So you can't really lock it up anywhere. And even if you did, somebody would still try and steal it. Just because it looks so cool and, you know... Um, the thing with the Super 73... It's the same thing. It's flashy. It's big. It looks like a fucking retro mountain bike or a banana seat, you know, scooter. So it's going to draw attention. The only good thing is it's it's big. You can, the frame and everything, you can lock it up to a post or something. So I'm going to get online and, like I said, I'm going to look and see at what Super 73 has. Because they had a gnarly one that was like, <clears throat> damn, my throat. They had a gnarly one that was doing at least 50 miles per hour, I do believe. Um, now, how big the batteries are and how long that lasts, I think it only had a 750-watt motor in the front and a 750-watt motor in the back. Now, see, that's a difference because on, on the... Um, uh, excuse me, on the little um, hoverboard with wheels, <laughs> like I was telling you before, it's five grand, but it has 3,500 watts between both wheels. And for such small wheels, I mean, we're talking some major RPMs. We're talking some major spinach going on here. smaller the rim and the higher the wattage for the for the motor we're talking this, this you know it's a monster so and like I said with the uh, beast it might be five grand but I'm pretty sure with as big as a battery is 
it's going to last somebody like me at least three days. At least. Probably a whole week on one charge. Who knows? And I can top it off at work, so... I'm pretty sure while I'm, while I'm making the money, I might as well spend the money. And... You know, if it's going to make my life easier and... Like I said, if I am making it right now, I might as well spend it right now. So, we'll see. Whenever it gets closer to time, like I said, I'm going to get offline here in a little bit and look and see what the better option is. But, even if I got to pay five grand, I'm getting tired of fucking pedaling everywhere. And, um, let's say I keep my 29-inch bike for the winter time. I can ride the electric one in the summer and spring and fall. <clears throat> and then really, all I gotta worry about is pedaling throughout the winter. And if it's too snowy, or if there's, you know, too much snow on the ground, I'm not gonna ride my mountain bike or my electric bike in it. I'm just gonna call an Uber. So, a little bit to think about but it's something that I kind of do have to think about so $5,000 you know some people would say well you can almost have a crotch rocket for that you can have something that you know you can have a Kawasaki for that and that's the thing like I don't want to have to buy a license I don't, want to, I, don't, I don't want to have to go through the course in order to write it. You know what I'm saying? And there's a law in my state that anything over 50 cc's gas-powered has to have a license. Well, this is electric-powered. And even though it goes 50 miles per hour, you don't have to have a license. So that's the smart thing. So anywho, with this new job and everything with van life coming up ever so quickly and with things changing I mean it's just it's a lot for me to think about right now but I do know that things are going to change for the better and with that being said um, yeah I mean I just I, I don't really know what to say you know that's a thing what I can say is if I stick to what I believe and what I think and I keep that confidence then everything will be alright and you know like I said if I would have looked if six months ago if you would have asked me if I would have been making $17 an hour I would have I would have said no I would have said I'd probably still be working at that taco joint. So, you know, same thing whenever I went to the interview. I, I didn't think that, you know, I've, I've never been a manager anywhere before in my life. And I think this was kind of, um, no, here's the thing. Like, in today's economy, in today's jobs, most restaurants want young kids they want 18 year olds 20 year olds because 
they don't like to teach old dogs new tricks. So they get these young kids in there and they can tell them whatever they want. They can tell them to do whatever they want and they're going to do it. That's why they usually look for young kids. When you get somebody that's 30, 40, and even though they might not have been a manager, they have years of experience. They have 10 years of experience of dealing with customers, dealing with counting money, dealing with doing inventory, with doing paperwork, and so on and so forth. You know, whatever, whatever kind of experience you have. It kind of contributes to being a leader. And somebody like me, I love being a leader. I love calling the shots. I got a, I got a certain way that I want things to go, and, you know, I love calling the shots. That's kind of how I am. Like, no matter what job I've worked, you know, uh, whether it was at the gas station, whether it was at Papa Murphy's making pizza, and it went smooth, you know. I wasn't the manager, but I was doing managerial stuff, making sure that the stores ran pretty smooth. So it's no different. It's no different. The only difference is I'm going to be counting more shit, doing inventory, and, um, you know, bossing more people around. I'm going to have to, um, you know, bring everybody together and kind of, you know, like I said, as long as your team respects you, you're not an asshole and you're not a piece of shit and everything gets done and everything gets done on a good time and everybody gets out of there at a good time, everything is great. At first, they're not going to like the fact that you're going in there and you're kind of bossing them around. Because, like I said, I had that one kid that came to me today, Aiden, or whatever, and he's young, but he's going to realize that I'm the shift leader. I'm his boss. So, um, we're going to try and ease our way into that. I'm going to let him do his own thing, but we're going to see if we have any problems with him later down the road, after a while. So... Other than that, um, it's going to be yes ma'am, no ma'am, I'm going to be following them around like a lost puppy dog, and, you know, if, if customers have a problem, then I'll make it right, they'll make it right, or we'll just give them credit, so, or we'll do both, who knows. Anywho, it's a lot for me to soak in, you know, like I said, with this whole new job thing, making more money. Like, if if, I, if I'm going to be making what I think I'm going to be making in the next couple weeks, I'm going to have enough money to pay rent and have money left over in just this next couple weeks. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have like $200 left over, plus I have $200 already saved, so, you know, if that's the case, 
I'm going to be sitting pretty well. It's going to give me enough money to go out and get some new shoes and some new clothes and stuff like that. So, anywho, I wasn't really planning on doing a second podcast tonight, but I figured why not. Um, I'm going to probably be cooking out for my birthday, which is June 30th. I'll be 32 years old. Um, if I can't get June 30th off because I work, then, which I gotta look at the schedule, I never thought of that, but, um, if not, then I'll just party it up the day before, the day after, or whatever, so, anywho, I'll probably end up making another podcast tomorrow night, for all of you out there, let you know how it goes, until then, see Jizzle and the Wizzle. And I'm signing off. And it was real, it was fun, but making $17 an hour and doing what I'm doing now, I, I think it's real fun. Instead of making twelve fifty and doing three times as much work. So, like I said, we're going to see where it goes. And it can't be any worse than what I've been dealing with, you know. Before, I was, I worked at a place for nine years and didn't get any promotions, didn't get any recognition, I didn't get paid what I deserved. But now, loyalty is everything. Dependability is everything. And that's one of my major traits, is loyalty and dependability. So now that I'm getting paid what I should be, that's, that's what I want to bring to the table. Somebody that they can count on, somebody that's going to bring more profits, more sales, less food waste, and uh, we'll see where it goes. So, till the next one, it was real, it was fun, but it wasn't real fun. Deuces. <laughs>